Hello and welcome to the Lib Dem Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in, whether you are listening on your normal podcast provider or you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube. We appreciate your support. And today we're going to talk about disability, and in particular, the Liberal Democrat Disability Association. What does it mean? What can we do better as a party? What can you do better as a local party member? And how can we make it easier and better for people with disabilities to campaign? How do we get more people elected with who have disabilities? And do we and what do we overlook? as a party, whether both individually or as a group. So we have a fantastic array of people to speak to us today. And so first up, I'll talk to Councillor Louis Hamlet. Hello, Louis. Well, introduce yourself to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Um, uh, obviously, you, I am a councillor, as it states there. Um, I'm a councillor for Alder Metropolitan Borough Council and Sean Crompton Parish Council as well. So I'm dual-hatted. Uh, and I... Uh, have Asperger's, um, particularly autism, uh, and uh, I was also born with multiple heart complex defects as well. Thank you, Louis. And we now go to Victoria like. Evans. Introduce yourself, Victoria. How are you doing? Hi, thanks, John. Um, yeah, so I'm Victoria. I'm from London Lib Dems. I'm currently um, vice chair of LDDA, Lib Dem Disability Association, and I'm also on the executive of the Lib Dem Health and Care Association. So I'm here to talk about the fact that um, I'm autistic, I'm very pro um, autistic rights and more research into autism and um, autistic people, and also to talk about LDDA and what we're doing going forward particularly um, concerning obviously autistic rights in light of the, the policy motion that was just passed at uh, Spring Conference. Thank you very much. And last but by no means least, we have Catherine Macy. Hello, Catherine. Hello. Uh, so I'm Catherine. I wear many, many hats in the party. Uh, I'm here today as uh, Young Liberals Accessibility Diversity and Standards Officer, as well as the Liberal Democrat Disability Association Press Officer. Um, and I've written the policy motion that recently passed at a federal conference as well as being a PhD student studying autism, specifically in the Stone Age, so not too much psychology. But uh, yeah, I'm also autistic. I was diagnosed at the age of 10. And ever since, I've been very interested in promoting not just autistic rights, but autistic people fighting and speaking on their own behalf. Lovely. And before we go into the, the rest of the, the chat, we should just point out, if any of you are interested in either joining or knowing more about the Liberal Democrat Disability Association, you can check out their website at disabilitylibdems.org.uk. Uh, are you guys on Facebook, Twitter, anything like that? Yes, we, we have a Twitter at Disability Lib, I believe it is. Um, and we have a Facebook group, but that's for members only. So if you do want to join, uh, then please feel free to join the Facebook group where you can chat with other members. Lovely. And and as we've seen from lockdown, a lot of these uh, chats and groups have been absolutely invaluable to people who have felt, well, I'm on my own somewhere. There's always help out there within the Lib Dems. So we do encourage you to go check out those groups. But let's let's talk about the policy motion, actually. That, that you've, you've mentioned it. And Victoria, do you want to start us off about the policy motion at conference? And why did you feel the need to do it? And what else does the party need to get a grip of? Very good question. And there's a lot of work has been done and a lot of work to be done. I think it might be best if I pass on to um, Catherine in this case, since Catherine um, wrote the motion. It would be great to hear from Catherine first. OK, Catherine, go on, then you take us away. Um, so, yeah, I've I'd written a motion before the carers motion, and I saw obviously how quickly that got picked up by the party. 
Um, and in my experience as both an autistic person and as a researcher, um, it's shocking how far we have to go and how little we've actually come. For example, the R word is still used in published academic papers. Um, the most recent one I found being published in 2016. That's been peer reviewed by multiple people. I also know people who've struggled to publish because um, a peer reviewer has said, you've not acknowledged how autism might be caused by your environment, which we know for a fact is not the case. Um, and it's just really disheartening to look around and see how difficult it is. And part, and it, it ties into how most people are now calling uh, autism month acceptance, not awareness, because most people know what autism is. Most people have seen uh, Atypical on Netflix or the A word on, on BBC but they don't actually understand and accept the differences and how every autistic person, much like every neurotypical or non-autistic person is different. And with so much disability activism, it's about actually overcoming and taking down the barriers and by meeting us halfway. And it's so easy to meet so many autistic people halfway just by allowing them space to calm down sometimes warning them if there's going to be loud noises or flashing lights accepting the quirks like I have penguin everything and the amount of people that will raise their eyebrows or laugh at me for that when ultimately it's just a small quirk that I have is really disheartening let alone the fact that so many autistic people are unemployed so many autistic people end up having to engage in the justice system and even when they're witnesses they get treated so poorly um th there's so many issues that are such an easy fix in my mind but society isn't actually ready to acknowledge that and i think the Liberal Democrats is the home of acknowledging these issues first. So I wrote a motion, took it to Young Liberals, they liked it, we passed it, and then we put it forward for federal. I was very grateful that FCC liked it, we had help with drafting, and now it's policy and it's very exciting. And I suppose that's that's why we're in the Lib Dems, isn't it? This is one of the reasons why that members like yourself can make an actual difference, not just to our party, but we've seen going forward, where sometimes where Lib Dems lead, other parties follow, and that's whether that was, uh, you know, um, gay marriage, anything like Lib Dems really drove that way forward before anyone else, even before Stonewall and other people came on board. So, no, that, I mean, congratulations is the, is the book. What, where else do we go now? Or, I mean, Victoria, Louis, do you want to come in on this? And where, where do you think we should go? What, what, what are the next steps we can do? I mean, I think it's interesting because there are so many different issues if we look at the detail of the policy as well. So it covers things such as, you know, obviously, general acceptance issues, but also, you know, there are postcode lotteries in terms of trying to get a diagnosis. There are issues of access to work. There are some really quite staggering statistics when you look at how many people who identify as autistic or have an autism diagnosis are actually in full-time work versus how many people aren't but would like to be you know it's somewhere around 70 percent of, of autistic people would like to be in work but aren't and we need to look at how that's happening and how we can break down some of these barriers to to work whether that's just you know, finding the right place to work whether it's getting those reasonable adjustments whether it's just in some cases quite basic in terms of understanding and unconscious bias it is possible that unconscious bias is 
is a really quite significant factor in whether autistic people can, you know, obviously get through the interview stage and obviously stay in work long term. Um, so that's something that I'm quite keen to look at in detail. But I have to say, I mean, as an autistic person in the Lib Dems, I think being in the Lib Dems is fantastic as an autistic person. It's one of the best experiences I've had um, in terms of extracurricular activities in general. So I think that's something we can definitely um, obviously shout about, but there is a lot more work to do in terms of including autistic people in activities in the party, and particularly accessible campaigning um, and other issues as well. Louis, how have you, as a councillor, how has it been for you uh, dealing with these issues as a councillor? Well, for me, so one of my colleagues actually turned around to me and said, you seem to wear it like a like a badge on, on your sleeve. And I said, well, yes, yes, I do. Um, but I actually use it more as a shield. Um, and, and the reason why I do that is because, um, and that's not as if it protects me, but it, it, it's there to sort of, I'm more front-facing. I, I tell people um, that, yes, I'm autistic. Yes, I'm openly gay. And, and yes, these are the, you know, th this is me. This is who I am. This is what you're going to get. Um, and then that way, there are no secrets. There's no ambiguities to who I am. Because in that way, um, they, they, they know who they're dealing with. Um, and, and when it comes to other, you know, other issues, I mean, um, one of the things that I did inadvertently because of my wonderful mind is I actually walked into a meeting with a, a room full of social workers and I just sat there and said oh hi I'm Louie what's your disability now I didn't necessarily mean to say it it just sort of popped out there um and I just sort of went oh you know bang um and a bit a bit like you know uh, how Catherine collects uh, uh unicorns let's see uh, sorry, not unicorns, penguins. I, I collect unicorns. There's lots of unicorn <laughs> things around the place. Um, <laughs> I just seem to seem to do that much to my the amusement of my of my wonderful partner. Um, and 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 lots of other things. I mean, I do a lot of gaming as well. But but that doesn't mean to say that changes me as a person. You know, um, I just seem to have this very mildly childlike mind. Somebody said, "Oh yes, you, you you're 20, 20 years old, but you you seem to have more of a mental age of a thirteen year old." No, that's not the case. And that's not the way autistic people are. And that's not the way we think, or I think anyway. I just look at the world differently. You you may go at a problem head on. I may go at a problem in a really windy road. Um, I just seem to do things differently. That doesn't mean to say that I'm crazy, bizarre, or, or whatever. I just do things differently to how you do it. And now, of course, I, I mean, I chair the uh, Autism Way Forward Board in Oldham, which apparently hasn't met for a number of years. And I basically slammed my hands on the desk and was like, why is it not been meeting? Why is this not happening? Why has the, um, uh, the, the administration, which is Labour Rand, not done anything about it? And basically booted, you know, put a boot on people's backsides and just said, this, is, this has got to happen. Hello, John from the Lib Dem podcast here. We are delighted to say that this episode is sponsored by Prater Reigns. Now more than ever, you need a professional-looking online presence and website. Prater Reigns have been helping Liberal Democrat campaigns succeed for 18 years. Their Lib Dem foci package combines a website, social media and email system to help Lib Dems win. You'll receive great support from real people, fair pricing and a huge range of features to choose from. Prater Reigns are already the bespoke developers for Lighthouse, Lib Dem Draw Online and the LD directory. 
They combine a talented system design with an unrivaled understanding of our party, our data and our systems. To find out more, check out the Praetorains website at praetorains.co.uk slash liberal-democrats. This podcast has been sponsored by the Katora Coffee Club, the UK's most environmentally friendly coffee club. There are over 400 independent roasters in the UK, each one crafting coffee in their own unique style. Katora Coffee Club works with some of the best to take you on a voyage of coffee discovery. The Katora Coffee Club delivers ethically sourced and independently roast coffee directly to your door. Each month you'll receive between two and four bags of coffee and their monthly extract magazine. Even better for Lib Dem podcast listeners, use the code BETTERCOFFEE to save 5% on subscriptions and gift boxes for a limited time only. All Katora Coffee Club boxes are carbon negative and offset the CO2. So why not do some good, enjoy some great coffee and check out the website www.katoracoffeeclub.com. Now, back to the podcast. We've actually got things going, you know, talking about having not 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 tokenistic quiet days during Awesome Awareness uh, week or month, um, you know, quiet times in our shopping centre just to have no music being piped but once a week or have a quiet space within the shopping centre of once uh, you know uh, an actual room where people can go and just have a real quiet time if they're feeling stressed or anxious so so that was one of the things that that was uh, like a big thing that that we managed to discuss and I, I'm going Sorry. on the, the Lib Dem uh, Disability Association's website. One of the things that is very keen to put out there is that disability issues shouldn't be seen as an afterthought. And But I do get the impression that it is something that the nation has not grasped particularly about the about some of the like I can't remember now who said it that unconscious bias that we have sometimes toward, towards people with disabilities, whether mental or physical. The fact is when you see small steps of improvement, such as someone using a disabled toilet and the disabled toilet now says not all disabilities are, are visible, but that, I mean, that just shows you how far we've still got to go, doesn't it? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's good that obviously we're making progress, but still there's so much work to do. And it's also the fact that, you know, sometimes there is sort of this idea that um, non-disabled people will, decide for disabled people what they can and can't do whereas you know if a disabled person is applying for a position or they want to go out campaigning they want to do something it's normally because they can and if those reasonable adjustments are in place then there's no reason why disabled people can't achieve the same things as as other people um and that's something that we're we're working towards obviously and yeah go on go on go Um, carry on yeah so 25% of the population are estimated to have some form of disability Um, and it's shocking to me some of the statistics so I think under 20% of people with learning disabilities voted in the 2017 general election. They're disengaged from politics because no one is speaking for them and I think like Victoria said a disabled person knows what they can't do and wouldn't put them forward for something that they can't do. I know that I struggle with club nights. So when I applied to be a bartender at my student union, I said in the interview, I need to be in a slightly quieter bar and I can't do club nights. And they're more than willing to um, do that reasonable adjustment for me, but not everywhere is. And that's the issue there. The fact that um, disabled people make up a huge population. And my research has shown me 
that the first um, people with disabilities who survived beyond just their disability date back um, two million years. We, we as a society should be used to giving compassion and engaging disabled people, but we've forgotten it in whatever's happened in the last couple hundred years because we've become so focused on what we think we should be. And disabled people don't fit into the what we should be category. I'm, I'm very lucky that I look physically able, uh, even if I do have other disabilities as well as my autism. Um, and even then, I do experience huge amounts of discrimination, let alone someone who does look physically disabled. And I think that's what politics is forgetting. And again, just to, to reiterate, disabled people know what they can do. And I think we had one incident where a blind candidate was told, but how are you going to get around the constituency? Which is ridiculous because they can probably get around now and being an MP won't change that. If anything, it will probably help them because they'll probably have more people being able to help them get around. Um, and we need to trust that disabled people know themselves and know what they need and their reasonable adjustments. And we don't need uh, people telling us what we need especially if we've asked for something else. Louis? Oh, you, you, you hit a really good point and nail on the head. Sorry if I sound a bit robotic because my internet's a bit, yeah, it's kind of a bit gaga. Um, uh, you, you absolutely hit a nail on the head because recently, um, and, and as um, John will attest to, a lot of councils have just gone through a major budgeting exercise and have had to, you know, um, sort out all their, their budgets and, and had to say, oh, we've got no money here, so we're going to, you know, take from from, from here to, to pay there and, and all that rest. And one of the things was obviously member support. <laughs> and um, basically they've, they've said, oh, we, we, we can't help when it comes to letter writing. My handwriting's horrendous. Um, or my my administrational skills are just not. I mean, I'm all right at, at responding to people's emails. I can do that. I can. I can. I'm good at uh, picking up a phone. I actually quite like answer, you know talking to people on a phone. I'm okay with that. But when it comes to um, uh, having to find, you know, when people say, "Oh, just email it through," um, but what's the email address for for that department? I, I'm I'm not good at sometimes referencing back to some things. You know. It, I, I'm, I'm, I do get a bit confused. So we, our, we, we used to have, well, we still have district teams of sorts, um, uh, you know, these cluster teams, but they seem to become a little bit hostile to us. And, and I don't know whether that's politically or not, because we seem to be in a big labor and council. Um, but the thing I, I find is that they don't seem to have made enough adjustments because, and I'm not just saying because I'm autistic, but because if anybody else has any other disability, um, I just find they're not making reasonable adjustments, whether it comes to admin support or letter writing, or even when it comes to, say, um, anything else sort of, can you just proofread this for me? I mean, I've got, as I say, I've got a wonderful banner who helps me out proofreading, but just minor things like that, really helpful, because you don't want to be sort of, you know, miss mistyping a, a letter up and then it, and then it comes out as something that looks like a five-year-old's done it because that might as i say my spelling and handwriting skills are horrendous um and so heaven to betsy what it's like on a on a keyboard and i just think that, that sorry john no 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 carry on finish your point it's okay 
no, no, I just say, so, so when I understand the process of needing to cost save, but at the same time, cost saving shouldn't also come at a detrimental effect uh, to, to whether it becomes to members or other people's disability, um, you know, di- dis- disability needs. And one of the things I had a massive argument with, because I'm, I'm the shadow member uh, for health and, and adult social care here and and the and our director of adult social services said but we're spending so much money on on people with with mental health needs we're over 16 million pounds or something i think it was 16 million or, or six million something like that. i'm no good with numbers either <laughs> and, and 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 it's and i said i said but the thing is, is you're not going to find a cure-all fix. You're not just going to say, oh, we'll spend five grand on that person and they're cured. Bye-bye. You're out of the system. It, it, it's not going to be like that. Um, we're never ever going to find a cure-all fix. And sometimes um, you can't complain and say we're spending a huge amount of money on that person and then hopefully they'll go away either. It's it's not going to be like that. Um, uh, and And I just... I don't have the solution. I'm not going to come up with a solution either. But to come at it in a really inhumane, like they have done, by saying, oh, well, we're spending a lot of money on them, so we need to cut it down. I just think that's really inhumane, for me anyway. I, I, I just felt I just felt awful that day. Um, yeah, and, and, and a lot of us who, who, who are in local councils know that sometimes, you know, we in my group, we have a, an openly... Uh, uh, non-binary counsellor and the discussions that that suddenly has brought up with officers who have never had to consider it before you know have never had to deal with that issue before suddenly has been brought into light and so this is why it's so important that we give prominence and get more people of all sorts of disabilities elected uh, because it, like I said ha- these issues can be forgotten about or pushed to one side if they're not in the face of people in terms of that they don't have to deal with it day to day and I just want to kind of come back to a little bit because I'm very conscious of the fact that, you know, lots of our listeners and viewers might not run councils, might not be elected, but want to do something to improve their disabled uh, diversity within their local parties. And I was really interested, just what you said, Victoria, about um, about about whether assuming people can't do something. But then, so there's a, I'm just speaking there, I'm being a little bit of a devil's advocate here as well, uh, in the sense that, because we want local parties to be more proactive. We want them on, on all sorts of issues, more women elected, more people of uh, race elected, more across the whole board, and people with disabilities. So how can we be proactive without assuming? How can we... So if there is someone who is a member in our local party who does have a disability of one kind or another, how can we proactively say, look, we want to help you without assuming that they need help? How can you, how can you get that balance? Yeah, it's a tricky one. I think it is partly it's partly about demonstrating value. So I think Louis raised a good point about just the variety, the sheer variety of activities involved in delivering a successful campaign. Mm. And there are a lot of activities within that, even within canvassing, you know, things that need to be done to prepare for canvassing, things that need to be done with data, things that need to be done with artworking. There is so much scope for so many different people to use such huge variety of skills within that and you sometimes see in various sort of pockets of the party people will go about trying to collect data about what special skills people have and um, when they might use them and when it might be appropriate to do that but you never sort of see the the other side of that after the data's been gathered and what actually happens to it 
So if we could in some way, as part of the neurodiversity movement um, that we're pushing, somehow look to doing something like that, where we can show that there are opportunities for people of you know, such a broad range of backgrounds um, and obviously, I mean, all sorts of things, not just neurodiversity, but disabilities, LGBT+, race, you know, religious background, everything comes into that. And we want to see that. And we want to find a way of encouraging people to, to bring those skills into everyday so-called living. Yeah. Catherine, do you have any thoughts on that? I think a lot of it is about the atmosphere that local parties have. Um, and I know it's difficult because there are so many local parties that struggle to even find people to run for chair and secretary. But it's about making it obvious that you can raise things and you won't be ridiculed. And it's it's difficult because obviously we have all sorts of people in the party with all sorts of views. Um, and allowing an open uh, discussion and sort of saying if you have any needs so it's a bit like if there's ever um, access funds and things like that you don't make it hard to apply for it and it's the same thing with um, disability support you don't make it hard to raise you make it obvious that you are open you make it obvious that um, simple things like saying um, uh, this venue has one small step uh, but there's a ramp at the back or something like that um, putting the distance of something instead of the minutes it will take to walk is important because then wheelchair users or people who are uh, slow walkers can ensure that they can work out if they can can go that distance or if they need to get a taxi or something um and there's loads of little small things that local parties can do uh and again it's there's a huge difference between assuming and doing it for someone and just saying, oh, do you need anything? And you can phrase that without saying, you know, pointedly, you're a wheelchair user, do you need anything? Or you have a sunflower lanyard, what do you need? You can just say, hey, is everything all right? Anything I can do for you? And you can say that to anyone because you never know who has a disability. Um, so yeah, I think that there's definite movements within the party and I think this is true of um the main party as well uh conference and things do okay at being accessible but it's the fact that HQ um if you're a wheelchair user you have to go in through the back in the loading bay things like that where it's not an automatic thought process yet and it needs to be and we'll get there and given that HQ is moving, now's the time for them to sort it out, isn't it? Absolutely. Fingers so, crossed. <laughs> we, yeah. no, but it, go on, Louis. I just thought of a really, I, I'm going to have to give a really bad admission. I've never been to a conference yet. I've been a member since 2008. I've never been to a conference yet. And do you know the reason why that is? That's purely down to accessibility. And that's purely down to monetary accessibility. Um and and that and that's and that's not because I want to get in their free pass. Um, obviously, because it would have been a lot easier to attend the, the the last couple of times because we've had them online. But but of course, I I have been busy. You know, um, those times literally hit when I needed to get focuses out or literally helping to do with campaigns um, and stuff. Um, 
But I'd actually, to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't mind actually going to a physical one rather than virtual. And to be perfectly honest, I've actually become a little bit team fatigued. The amount of stuff where sitting there, you know, going on to Teams and Zoom, and I, I don't, I don't mind doing that. It's just, I just think sitting there for hours on end is just a bit relentless. Um, but you know, he, he says whilst simultaneously, you know, playing on his Xbox. Um, but but at the same time, <laughs> but at the same time, I just think you know, you, you, you sort of have to doubly concentrate on on that. Um, but but it, it is important um, to to have that that thing of yeah, I, I, there is there is definitely. Um, I think I think it's it's definitely important to make sure that that our our conferences are accessible as much as possible, um, uh, and I think that's super important uh, for us. And hopefully, hopefully the HQ is maybe moving up a little bit more north, but you never know. Yeah, if I can jump back in there, um, yeah, I think that's why hybrids are so important. So uh, one of my LDDA colleagues messaged me and asked me something, and I did, uh, straight after conference, and I didn't get back to them for about a week because I was completely exhausted, absolutely wiped out. Um, I don't really know what I did for the week after because it was so intense for me being, um, it's usually pretty intense anyway, but for some reason sort of online, it's so much more exhausting and studies are suggesting it's because your brain's filling in uh, the slightly like segmented gaps and things when it comes to um, screen time or computer things I don't quite get. Um, but, um, and the, the colleague was sort of like, oh, I didn't find it as tiring because to me, what's exhausting is going up and down the hills and the mm. stairs. And it's it's finding that compromise of some people cannot cope with an online conference at all. And others, it's the only time they've been able to come to conference for various reasons. So I think it's finding that balance. And that is the one thing we can take from the pandemic. It's been an awful, awful year and a half two years by the time we really get there but we can take something good from this bad situation and this is one of those things trying to maximize accessibility because to say the disabled community is huge and even if you ignore the intersectionality it's such a diverse amount of disabilities with mental physical visible and visible and none of us, even our autistic people as a group, we all have different needs. Some are sensory seeking, some are sensory avoidant. And I'm really hopeful that the party can take the lessons from the pandemic and try and really ensure that we're able to engage all our members. Yeah, and I suppose kind of going back to the what we can do locally as well is that we put together in my local party a kind of a, a kind of a crib sheet of all the various jobs that you can do not just not just the big ones like being a counselor or you know organizing leaflet drops but every little thing whether that's you know whether it's a diversity champion or, or all the other the bits and pieces that get done in the background that you thought okay someone can do that and just letting all our members and supporters know okay you want to get involved it isn't just door knocking it isn't just delivering leaflets there are a multitude of ways you can get involved which are all vital elements in actually winning and i think that's one of the things i think we need to do and that because it's not just it's not just people who who are young and have disabilities or people as they get older might just not be able to be as active as they once were and it's important that we keep these avenues open so people don't think well you know i can't do 15 miles a day like i used to so i'm no longer good at campaigning is that i take it you guys agree with that yeah, there was a case um, 
it was one of my younger bros colleagues and she she was calling someone up to say hi i can't remember what she was doing fundraising or whatever and she had this conversation and the, the woman on the phone was like well i'm i'm in a wheelchair now and i can't actually get out and campaign so um and apparently it's the first time this woman who had been a party member for a couple of years was actually then asked do you have any skills you think that could help us and apparently she's uh used to be in comms brilliant um and now she does almost all the comms and yeah. the press releases for that party yeah. again disabled people know our skills partly because we have to rely on the skills more than you know we can't always learn to pick up talents in the way that a lot of non-disabled people can um, so just asking us, and that goes for all diversities, really. Just ask. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's what we should uh, call this episode. Is actually just ask. That's that's <laughs> that. If we can do one thing, that is it. But it is interesting, and I kind of want to touch on the base because when we talk about electoral success, and we look at all the kind of statistics from across the UK, so this isn't just any patch. It generally goes on how much person-to-person contact you have and then second up is how much direct mail you get out is kind of the two leading elements so if you're a person of disability how best can we adapt our campaigning techniques to get people or do we have to think well we might have to do extra work in one way so then the person who maybe can't do door knocking can do something in another way is that how maybe he will do or he or she or they will do more casework you working as a team kind of thing is is that how you have to approach this i don't know if uh, victoria you want to come in on this one i think so yes but i think that's an approach that should be taken anyway um just in terms of you know delivering something that's going to work for everyone and playing for everyone's strengths i mean i've, I've seen sort of you know eras where this is happening and it works well but i think we should definitely be looking at how we tailor these activities and our, our campaigns to the strengths of the, the local teams. Yeah. Louis? Um, I absolutely fully agree. I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm constantly told that I'm, I'm quite good on the phones and doorstep, but then again, my admin skills are horrendous. Um, but that's self that's self admittance. So it's not because somebody with your admin skills are really rubbish, and um, that's just self admittance. Um, I, I just think you know, uh, although people say you're really good on the phones and 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 the doorstep, and I just think that's because the fact that I, I used to work in hospitality, so I suppose that's just a bit of background knowledge, and also the fact that I can be quite personable with people. I mean, very recently actually, I was on I was on the door just ignore the thing because that's my cat. Um, I was I was on the uh, the doors recently, and um, I have a milk delivery felt very adult <laughs> I get my own personal milk delivery now um but um I said uh she did this 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 lady had had her own same milk company and she had a milk crate put up with with the milk company's um uh, name and thing with her own door number and I said that's a really nice milk crate because she she come out and she looks really angry at first I said that's a nice milk uh, milk crate I said sorry to be cheeky I said where did you get it from and 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 then just just asking that question to her completely threw her off the fact that I was a liberal democrat and I had a focus in my hand you know big big fat focus in my hand and everything and and she said she said Oh right, and I threw her off. And after about thirty seconds of a conversation asking about this 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 flipping milk crate, um, she then eventually voted for us, which is great. Uh, so I just thought, oh yeah, just just ask us something randomly that was on the doorstep, you know. Um, Did you make a note of people, that in minivan? Um, milk crate enthusiast or something like that. Yeah. 
Uh, no, no, no. I, I put a separate note on my phone to then get the company's name as to where I'm now going to get a personalized milk crate. <laughs> but, but the thing is, I think, I think what one skill I definitely think is really quite helpful is, yes, just as you knock on someone's door, quickly look around you if you know someone's going to come to the door and find something on their doorstep or something. You know, like um, those are nice flowers. They're really sprouting this year. Now that sort of thing. Or, oh, I like your cat. That sort of thing. You know, um, just something quite fun that seems to th- mildly throw somebody. And that way they go, oh, uh, sorry, what are you here for? And you go, all oh, right, I'm here on behalf of, you know, rather than, because, I mean, obviously, if you candidate focus like I am, uh, I just sort of say, oh, I'm here on behalf of Diane, uh, your, your local mm-hmm. councillor or your local little Democrat. And they sort of go, oh, right, yeah, 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 we support you. And that's it. Done. But, I think I think that's a general rule. Is a, a soft canvassing approach is generally very effective in the terms of that. If you just come up to the door and just knock on and say, "Hi, I'm X. Are you going to vote for me?" You've given. You, you need to talk to me in an actual conversation. Is the is the key part of it? But what what? Okay, this is a kind of a, a kind of a question as we get near the end of our time here. So, what things could a the national party do better and b a local party do better? And if I if I go to Catherine first. I think the National Party needs to um, be more inclusive in how it runs things, in how it uh, chooses its campaigns and what it says we can do and who we can be. Um, I, I, I don't know of any neurodivergent uh, MPs, for example, and much like how um, so many of the Liberal Democrats are from the LGBT plus community, there are a lot of neurodivergent Liberal Democrats, um, whether they know it or not half the time. And um, I think that it would be nice to uh, see that as something that we push, sort of, um, look, we have a neurodivergent candidate in a target seat. Um, and again, choosing the campaigns that affect neurodivergent people, much like um, how LDCRE is pushing for campaigns that affect minority ethnic communities. Uh, And there's a huge overlap there, uh, such as access to health um, and things like that. And a local party uh, to just be more welcoming and accepting of people who have quirks, of people who may need to leave the room for whatever reason, they might be a carer, they might be overwhelmed, they might need to take medication. Just, just by acknowledging that not everyone is going to fit the same mold, instantly we become so much more welcoming as a party. And it's actually surprising how much um, people do that because it's completely automatic, because we all do that. We all assume that everyone's going to be how we are. I do it with neurotypicals and they're very confused when they do neurotypical things. Um, but yeah, it's just reminding ourselves, especially when we're in a position of welcoming new people and encouraging people to come back, that everyone is different. Victoria? Yeah, I definitely concur. I think um, I think representation is something that would be very helpful to see um, in terms of the obviously HQ and the broader party. Um, as far as I know, we don't, or any of us in any of the parties have, um, currently uh, an openly autistic MP which would be brilliant to see I'm personally far too tired but I hope someone does get there very soon because it would be wonderful to see but also just thinking about the general messaging as well in the communications that are put out by local parties as, as well as HQ just sort of thinking about obviously the way the way we talk about disabled people whether what we're talking about is inclusive of disabled people uh, along those sorts of lines and I think also in 
just thinking about it from a local party perspective, um, it would be nice to see not just more inclusion in terms of the local party as a whole, making sure that activities and campaigning activities are inclusive, but also supporting people with their individual projects to be more inclusive. So for example, if you see an instance where someone's running a, an event and you know it's held up a flight of stairs, there's no lift, um, things like that, it, it's best to sort of offer help. Sort of say, you know, do you need help with this? Would you like some advice? Is there anything you can do to help make this event more accessible? And I think if people if people felt like they could approach running projects and events, knowing that the support is there and that they don't have to fear, you know, getting it wrong, I think that would help a lot of people to have more confidence about running things by themselves. Louis? Um, I absolutely wholeheartedly um, second what Victoria said about running projects because I'm, I'm constantly panicking about, oh my God, is this going to go wrong? Um, Yes, uh, in term, especially in terms of uh, our national MPs. Obviously, of course, we have Sal Brinton, who 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 is diverse in terms of um, s somebody who is more physically um, disabled. Not sure about neurodiverse, um, and of course, we we definitely had uh, Norman. Um, bless him who who definitely helps in terms of putting more neurodiversity on a more equal footing when it came to uh, nhs um provisions um but in terms of local governance i think i think for for me i think we definitely definitely need more more of us in in the council chambers or perhaps maybe standing as um uh, mayoral or um what would you call it? the the police crime commissioners etc candidates um wanting to stand showing that there are differences perhaps maybe even showing that uh, you know try, trying to at least make make difference because of course especially um when it comes to the the high number of people who are uh, as as Catherine has said neurodiverse who end up um behind the opposite side of the law to say, you know what, we want to make a change, not, you know, if they have done wrong, they have done wrong, but perhaps maybe not being necessarily put into reprimand, but perhaps maybe there are differences in ways to, to handle this. Um, that, that would be a good way to, to deal with things. And of course, uh, especially as I say, in local governance as well, whether they know it or not, um, would be a way forward. Um, I do think, of course, um, if people are not necessarily up for it as of yet to, to work closely with their local parties um, would definitely be a way forward. Um, even that's to help out in any in any way possible. Sometimes the, even even the small ways can just help in a, in, a, in a big way. So that would be, you know, yeah, truly grateful in, in their local branches and parties. Thank you, Louis. And I suppose we should just point out that the, the Liberal Democrat Disability Association isn't just for people with disabilities. It's also for people who are in caring positions and all sorts, or people who are just interested in the topic. You know, it's one of the things we want to do is make sure that well, on a whole series of these podcasts we have done for the different kind of groups within the Lib Dems is actually raising awareness of what the groups do, getting, you know, whether, I mean, Catherine's already seems to be bossing the policy uh, uh, world anyway within the Lib Dems, but actually the work is never, ever finished. 
and actually, and I, and I'll be quite frank, I had never heard of the phrase neurodiversity until this podcast. It had just not something that had come on my radar. But that's the fact that that just shows you what we need to do. We all need to uh, learn more. We all need, we all need to think. Okay, what can we do better? And like you said, maybe it's just a case of just asking people asking people how how we can do better to help them or or whatever but no thank you all so much for coming on the podcast i really appreciate it um you can catch all these guys uh like i say are members of the the liberal democrat disability association so do go check that out on the website or do go uh check them out on twitter so i'm sure they'll be very grateful to answer any questions you might have um do follow the lib dem podcast at, at lib dem pod that's on instagram facebook Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to uh, find us. We are always on Facebook, these videos, along with YouTube, and you can find us on all your podcast providers. So do share us, ask us any questions, give us a like. We're always happy for the support. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. <laughs>